0: This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Jennifer Houlihan, Vice President of Value-Based Care and Population Health at Atrium Health, Wake Forest Baptist. Jennifer, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today.
1: Thank you, Laura. I'm glad to be here.
0: Now, I know we've got a lot to talk about. It's definitely interesting times in healthcare and especially on the population health side. But before we dive into my questions, can you tell me just a little bit more about yourself and your background?
1: Sure. I have been um, in the population health space now for a little over seven years. But prior to that, I started my career in a small uh, Medicaid plan in South Florida and got my start um, really understanding sort of benefit design and uh, utilization trend and analytics and strategic planning and then moved over to the provider side um, about 10 years later and have been working on the provider side ever since. Um, everything from some of the regulatory, strategic planning, uh, but really sort of took hold uh, post-Affordable Health Care Act, everything from um, leading our work in the community health needs assessment space to developing our kind of post-acute transitions of care strategy, which then sort of led me to where I am today. So really overseeing uh, from the administrative side how we perform, um, and now over 15 ACO, uh, value-based risk contracts, uh, and commercial Medicare, Medicaid, but also engaging on our social impact community engagement side to address social drivers, developing of care models, uh, and then working very closely with primary care and actually have a dyadic role with our chair of family and community medicine. So have been sort of working outside of the walls of the hospital probably for the last 10 to 12 years, thinking about how we... Manage patients from a continuum and then help leading the transformation to value based care um, and all the capabilities and team based models that we put in place to support that.
0: Got it. That's fascinating. And I can imagine based on everything we've been through over the last few years with the COVID-19 pandemic and then, you know, the economic challenges since a lot, what you're responsible for just becomes even more and more important. So given everything that is going on in healthcare right now, what are some of the most important issues that you're spending your time on today?
1: Yeah, as you mentioned, this is definitely an interesting time with um, hospital margins probably maybe some of the thinnest we've had um, for for quite some time, but it's I'm spending time sort of thinking about the different risk and ACO arrangements I'm in. And then, you know, this is certainly budget time for us. So really kind of putting in place the resources, but making sure that we're getting return on those. Um, and we're more pressured, and it's something actually we've been working on in our system for the last few years, is really trying to tell the story of the margin that we're able to generate when patients are in a value-based contract versus just staying in fee-for-service. So I spent a lot of time working with our finance and planning and analytics team to really understand everything from uh, how cost accounting um, and merging sort of the the payer uh, financial data that we have to be able to tell that story of how uh, value-based care is not only better from obviously a patient quality, um, and hopefully quality of care and access perspective, but also how it's actually uh, good for margin and good for the bottom line. So I spent a lot of time, with our finance colleagues, I spent a lot of time advocating for resources to make sure we have the care team model in place and and supporting certainly our primary care, some of our specialists as well, and then also thinking about how I'm balancing that with the investments that we're making and some of our social impact and equity work which definitely goes hand in hand, but at the same time, um, often, again, competing for resources with the bigger sort of healthcare system, um, service lines, et cetera. So we've been very um, lucky that we've had really sustained positive results um, in our ACO and, and value contracts for five, six, seven years. So that helps me tell the story better, but really kind of spending time really strengthening what that value proposition is to be in value-based care.
0: Got it. That's, you know, extremely helpful to know and think about. And, you know, when you look at the success that you've had with the ACO and in the value-based contracts, how do you communicate that effectively to show, hey, you know, uh, here's what I need in order to to um, yeah. double down on this or do this better, especially as you said, you know, in times when hospital margins are are thin, uh, making your case for, you know, needing resources as well, I can imagine is always a challenge.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. And I think that's where really working, you know, closely with You know, I feel like population health has this sort of matrix with everyone because it's change management and, again, yes, competing with resources. So, you know, we're really working closely with our financial planning teams, um, and really trying to better understand what does the value proposition mean to them? What's a successful model to show that, yes, actually resources would be better spent here versus maybe investing in a more traditional way that we have in the past? So. You know, our team has worked really hard probably over the last three, 40 years create relationships with there. Um, the other piece is actually really also creating strong relationships with our managed care contracting um, teams. One, because we actually want to make sure that we're contracting with value contracts that we can perform well in. But also, as we do perform well, that's a, another way for us to advocate for, you know, this is actually another source of revenue coming back into the system. Um, and we're able to show that what we're achieving in savings is far outweighing the expenses that we're having to add to be able to do this work. So that's been, I think, really important for us. Um, of course, working with our primary care service line um, and different clinical partners has been key too. But you know, our enterprises actually work to kind of think about a very thoughtful structure of when does it make sense to move into uh, a certain level of risk in a contract? How do we align our capabilities? And then really sort of, again, having that financial model that aligns with that to show that actually that that, that this is a win. And part that is sort of starting to look at it from a margin perspective.
0: That's great insight. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for walking me through that. Now, I'm wondering, when you think about the future, how are you planning on growth and what investments do you see yourself in the organization making in the next two years or so?
1: Yeah, so from, from my lens, the, t- the, the two areas that we have been making the most investment in um, and I think will probably continue in the next few years is really um, on the social impact side. Um, so I think with what you're seeing in the new CMS rules on SDOH screening requirements, that's work we've been doing in the pop health space for a long time um, under our Medicaid 1115 waiver it's a requirement. So we have been growing our sort of community health worker um, planning and engagement and developing. We have both community-based as well as now clinically aligned models. And so that's an area um, that we have been growing and I think continue will continue to just because the way we engage and screen for patients, um, referring, closing those loop on referrals, but obviously addressing social needs is such an important part of the care plan and now an added requirement with many of our payers, that that just makes sense for us to continue to grow there. And then the other piece that we've grown tremendously, and I think, I'm not sure we're quite done yet, is in our pharmacy space. We've actually developed a Pop Health pharmacy team, again, works very hand in hand with our care management team. um, And they actually heavily rely now on our community health worker resources too, as we think about supporting patients in their medication adherence, medication management. So we're thinking about, you know, where do we need to continue to grow a care team? Um, And those have been two kind of roles. But the other, I guess, piece that we'll continue to grow in is thinking about um, how to extend the reach of those teams through, whether that's our EMR optimization or different tech-enabled, you know, if that's apps, texting, other, you know, remote patient monitoring, other kind of techs that we would put in place contract for that would allow us to manage patients kind of with with the team that we have. So it's kind of that balance of thinking about FTEs, which in this time can be hard to recruit, and then thinking about how we're leveraging and scale technology um, that allows us to reach more patients
0: that's amazing you know and it seems like you definitely have a lot of different initiatives going on whether it's looking at the community-based programs or the types of technology you need in order to have uh, automate processes and really make the organization and um, teams that you work with that much more efficient um, I'm interested too you know when you think about all these different things and and pointing to some really important services for the community as well as um, important for the health system. And then, as you mentioned, the the contracts too. What do you really see as being um, the kind of gold standard in terms of where the industry is going for some of this value-based care for population health and some of the social determinants um, you know, work? I, I think for many hospitals and health systems, it's not something that they've really been able to build in very well into their contracts. And so it, it's... Um, not as sustainable as they would like it to be. So how do you make it work? How have you really been successful yeah. um, in that, yeah. you know, to say, hey, this is what we need for patients, which is all well and good. But, you know, how do you really translate that into, okay, we have to, to make this happen?
1: Yeah, yeah, that that is a great question because I think I would be remiss if I didn't say, you know, where where did we get the funding to start growing some of these community health worker programs? They definitely have been through some of our, Grant and foundation partners. Uh, But part of that, sort of, what is your sustainability plan? Is that, you know, as we shift more dollars into sort of a value based construct, we recognize that a patient's social drivers addressing those is oftentimes where we need to start first before we can think about improving medication adherence or, you know, managing an A1C or blood pressure. It's an important part of that. So You know, our goal has been and has been to move that into sort of the operational business case. So I think the part of where we've been successful is being successful in our value-based contracts. Um, And, you know, we're fortunate. I'm part of an academic medical center. So I do have um, some expertise that I can lean on when we think about doing evaluation work um, and looking at sort of um, kind of a cost benefit from that perspective but I I agree it's it's traditionally not um, work that has a a billable service or code with it. I I have heard that there's consideration that there could be some billable opportunities in the future via CMS through community health workers, and now we're talking about Z codes, whether that's um, part of the risk adjustment equation or potentially reimbursement in the future. So I think there's certainly recognition that uh, to do this work well, we have to sort of address all these dimensions. But you're right, it's when resources are tough, it's not as if I have unlimited ability to access funds to say, hey, we need to start addressing all of this. I think it's being able to show one, we're able to bring in more revenue than we're spending to achieve that revenue has been an important part. I think the other part too is, you know, what is the 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 social impact mission of the organization, you know, I'm always looking for alignment opportunities. So, of course, you know, we're also doing community health needs assessment work. We're really trying to be out there with our community partners um, to make sure that we're investing in these, you know, not only from a service delivery piece, but thinking about how we can be impactful from a policy um, and making some systemic change. So, it it's all of those things but I, again, I certainly recognize that um, it's certainly something that comes up in conversation with many of my peers across the country that we know what the right things are to do. It's just the funding is not always there. And so that's where it, it does take, I think, quite a bit of creativity to sort of cobble together You know, if we're able to get these foundation dollars, if we're able to do different utility studies or different partners to, to invest in um, different ways to think about you know, new and innovative care models for patients that I think with, um, being again, part of an AMC able to tap into that as well.
0: Got it. That makes a lot of sense. You know, just is definitely encouraging to see what you've been able to do, um, with Atrium Healthway, Forest Baptist, and, um, with some of these very challenging and sensitive topics. Now, before we wrap up our conversation, I'm wondering, what are you most excited about right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm excited. We are continuing to move into risk-based models. So as part of our ACO, we're going into the REACH model in January. So I'm excited to kind of see how some of those additional equity elements that CMS is bringing and CMMI is bringing into their new models will will play out in this. And I think it's going to be a kind of a test for, are we really successful as we kind of take this next step in risk? So I'm excited about that. Uh, I'm excited about We've done some small work in bundles, but excited to – we have a lot of interest from a lot of our specialists who want to be more engaged in this space, so excited to do um, and continue to expand our work. So we've done a lot of work with primary care and thinking about the wraparound, the care model, but how can we, I guess, export some of that expertise, knowing it's a little bit different with some of our service lines and specialists, but how can we use some of that and leverage that expertise – uh, definitely some of the great work that we've um, continued to learn all the time on analytics, but the risk work that we've done and bring that in. So just hoping to continue to be able to expand sort of this transformation work we're doing um, and really um, improving the quality of care and hopefully making our providers' lives a little bit easier um, by wrapping around these care team models and, and with them. So I think lots of opportunity, again, some of the pressures of where healthcare is, and and we'll will we'll continue to see, but um, our know our teams continuing to march forward.
0: Got it, Jennifer. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really great discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Yeah, thank you, Laura.